Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. I'm sorry I didn't do an episode yesterday. I know you guys traditionally really enjoy like the weekend recap, but um, real work uh, prevailed yesterday along with my daughter returning to school. So um, I do apologize. Uh, it just uh, real work takes precedence. So, but I got some good stuff for you guys today. So Elon Musk apparently intends to morph Twitter into an everything app. He calls X for months. The Tesla and SpaceX, I don't know what his obsession is with the letter X, CEO has expressed interest in creating his own version of China's WeChat, a super app that does video chats, messaging, streaming, and payments for the rest of the world. At least that is once he's done buying Twitter. <laughs> um, there are just a few obstacles, though. The first is that a Musk-owned Twitter wouldn't be the only global company in pursuit of this goal. In fact, it would probably be playing catch up with other companies. Um, Next is the question of whether or not anyone really wants a Twitter-based everything app or any other super app to begin with. As an avid Twitter user over every other platform, its simplicity is why I love it. Um, It's clean and easy. These other platforms that are doing all of these other things, it's too much. It's just too much. Um, I don't even know why or how to use half of the other crap that's on there. Instagram is the worst. Um, So start with the competition and consumer demand. Facebook parent Meta has spent years trying to make its flagship platform a destination for everything online, adding payments, games, shopping, and even dating features to its social network. So far, it has had very little success. Nearly all of its revenue still comes from advertising. Google, Snap, TikTok, Uber, and others have also tried to jump on the super app bandwagon, expanding their offerings in an effort to become indispensable to people as they go about their day. None have set the world on fire so far, Not least because people already have a number of apps at their disposal to handle things like shopping, um, communicating, and payments. Musk kicked off the latest round of speculation on October 4th, um, which is the day that he actually reversed his attempts to get out of the deal and announced that he did want to acquire Twitter after all. He said, buying Twitter is an accelerant to creating X, the everything app. He tweeted that with no further explanation. Um, He's provided at least a little more detail in the past, though. During Tesla's annual shareholder meeting in August, he told the crowd at the factory that he thinks he's got a good sense of where to point the engineering team with Twitter to make it radically better. And he's dropped some strong hints that handling payments for goods and services would be a key part of the application. He said he has a grander vision for what X.com, which was an online bank that he started early in his career, that eventually came part of PayPal, could have been. Given the fears of banking getting politicized and Musk's perceived disdain 
For financial blackmail by governmental entities and institutions, this could actually be a cool thing. Um, It's worth remembering that Musk's grand visions don't always work out the way that he appears to expect. Um, Humans are nowhere near colonizing Mars, and he did promise a fleet of robo-taxis, but that remains as far from reality as Metaverse. Twitter's user base is also very tiny relative to the um, to those uh, social platform uh, competitors. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok all passed the 1 billion mark a long time ago. Twitter has only about 240 million users a day. Musk would not only have to overcome the hurdle of convincing consumers to change how they behave online, but also that Twitter is the place that they should do that. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's husband exercised seven figures worth of alphabet stock calling options the day before House leadership unveiled a bill that would ban members of Congress and their spouses from trading individual stocks. The value of the stock purchase was between $1 and $5 million, according to a certified congressional disclosure made by Nancy Pelosi on October 14th. Members of Congress are only required to report the values of such trades in broad ranges. Paul Pelosi exercised the alphabet calls option, which he purchased in December on September 16th, the day they were set to expire. Alphabet's the parent company of Google. Shocker. Uh, That date fell just a week before they announced that they would ban members of Congress and their spouses from trading individual stocks. The disclosure also notes that Paul Pelosi sold call options in NVIDIA and Micron technology for a loss about a month after Joe Biden signed the CHIPS law into act, act into law. Uh, Pelosi herself does not trade stocks, but her husband is a frequent investor. Um, her congressional office acknowledged last week's receiving several questions from companies or from, I guess, news outlets about her husband's stock trading habits, but representatives Pelosi for Pelosi did not respond with answers. Of course they didn't. Um, asked in July whether he uh, his trades are based off of information that she's given him, Nancy Pelosi replied, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, each of the trades the speaker reported in 2021, um, oh, I'm sorry, Insider collected each of the trades that the speaker reported in 2021 and 2022. Many of Paul Pelosi's trades are worth millions. Um, In late 2021, the Speaker is ranked as the 14th wealthiest member of Congress with an estimated worth of at least $46,123,051. Pelosi's been in Congress since 1987. It's four years after I was born. When, I think, yeah. When members were paid $89,500, today, as Speaker, Pelosi earns $223,500. That cost of living increase in Congress is something. After nearly a year of waiting, House leaders finally introduced their own congressional stock trading ban in September. Some Democrats and good government advocates, however, criticized it as too broad to garner Republican support. It proposes a stock ban for the Supreme Court and key executive branch officials and fatally flawed by what they describe as a loophole allowing, quote, fake blind trusts. 
Congress has effectively paused progress on the bill until after November's midterm elections. Since 2021, Insider's Conflicted Congress project has identified 72 members of Congress who violated disclosure provisions of the Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act of 2012. I wonder what those penalties were. A law Congress passed for itself to defend against conflicts of interest and enhance public transparency. I don't think that they shouldn't be able to trade um, or invest. I just don't believe they should be able to vote if they or anyone in their family, anyone in their family, including their third cousin by marriage twice removed, has investments in something they're voting on. You can play the game. You just have to play it the same way the rest of us do, with risk. Um, So I told you guys the story of the four guys on their bicycles on Friday night, and I have an update for you. The search for the four missing men who were bicycling in rural Oklahoma is now a murder investigation after their dismembered bodies were found in a river 40 miles south of Tulsa, according to police. Okmulgee police said that Monday the bodies have been positively identified as Mark Chastine, Billy Chastine, Mike Sparks, and Alex Stevens. The four friends were reported missing by relatives last week. They were last seen riding their bikes on October 9th. Although the official cause and manner of death is still pending, each victim suffered gunshot wounds. Okmulgee Police Chief um, said that all four bodies were dismembered before being placed in the Deep Fork River, about 40 miles south of Tulsa, and that is what caused difficulty in determining identities, and that's why it took so long. He said, I've worked over 80 murders in my career. I've worked murders involving multiple victims. I have worked dismemberments, but this case involves the highest number of victims, and it's a very violent event. Police have not found the guns or the bikes that were used in the killings. Prentice said a tipster told police that the four men had, quote, planned to commit a crime before they were violently murdered at a nearby scrapyard. Investigators do not know what their specific plan was or if it had anything to do with the murder. While police say they do not have a suspect or motive, the owner of the scrapyard where the men were shot and dismembered is considered a person of interest, as the man who owns the scrapyard has been missing since Saturday and, quote, maybe suicidal. Um, There was an update on Facebook yesterday afternoon, and they said that the scrapyard's owners scrapyard owner's blue PT cruiser had been located and was in police custody. Just the PT cruiser. He himself is not, has not been located. Um, It had been abandoned behind a business in Morris, Oklahoma, and investigators are looking into how it got there. So dun, dun, dun. All of the drama surrounding the four men in Oklahoma. Some of you were wrong. I I remember. Um, My guess is if I'm to like, you know, play secret investigator. My guess is they were probably going to rob the scrapyard and the man's like, no. So he kills them. Then he's like, oh shit, I killed all these guys. And then he dismembers them and gets rid of them. Like, I don't know if that's what happened, but I could see this being a lifetime movie in the future. Uh, Beijing has report. That sounded really callous. I'm so sorry. Those families of those men are 
going through a lot right now. That's I, two of them are brothers. So it's super sad. I, I want to make sure that I'm not seeming like I'm making a joke of, of four men being murdered. Uh, Beijing has reportedly told state-owned natural gas importers to halt resales of cargoes to buyers in Europe and Asia to make sure that China has enough supply for domestic needs this winter. An economic slowdown in China after Beijing imposed a strict zero-COVID policy dampened local demand for gas, leaving its importers with a surplus of natural gas that they resold to Europe and elsewhere. They threw a lifeline to Europe amid its energy crisis by reselling, it says unneeded, which why buy it if you don't need it, um, LNG purchased from Russia. Oh, I'm sorry, China didn't need it. Okay, I get it now. In August, an estimated more than 4 million tons of Chinese LNG was resold, or roughly 7% of Europe's imports in the first half of the year. So... I just want to like make sure that you guys understand what that's saying. So China bought really cheap LNG from Russia and then resold it at at a clip of 7% of their imports to Europe who has an embargo against Russian oil. So if they they or Russian imports. So if they had just bought it directly from Russia, they probably would have gotten it cheaper. But instead, they cut their own nose off in spite of their face to turn around and buy it from China. You can't make this shit up at this point. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, China has been snapping up Russian fuel on the cheap. After sanctions and boycotts hit the Western market, at one point, China managed to get a 50% discount on LNG supply from Russia's Sakhalin 2 export plant. But with European gas inventories quickly filling up, I don't know how accurate that is considering there's quite a few reports of people being told to reduce their usage or they're going to start rationing it. And shipping costs at record highs, the appeal of the LNG resales dimmed. Another potential trigger for the move were forecasts for a small deficit in China's gas supply as the country looks to avert its own potential energy crunch during winter's cold months. Countries like Germany are on track to hit their winter gas inventory targets after appealing for consumers to cut usage and scrambling to secure alternative supplies to to those cut off by Russia. The prospect of a European energy crunch sent regional gas prices soaring to historic highs, above 346 euros per megawatt hour, which is $336 uh, per megawatt hour in August, as Moscow responded to the Western sanctions over its war in Ukraine. Prices have since dropped more than 50%, and Dutch TTF futures on the ICE exchange were trading lower at around 136 euros per megawatt hour yesterday. Kanye West, the rapper who also goes by the name Yi, has reached an agreement to buy uncancelable, uncancelable, I don't even, I didn't even know that was a word, free speech platform Parler, the two said in a statement on Monday. In a move, they said will help individuals express their conservative opinions freely. As part of the deal, financial terms of which were not disclosed, Parler has agreed to sell fully to West, 
but the social network will continue to receive technical support from Parliament Technologies, including access to its private cloud services and its data center infrastructure. The deal is expected to close in the ongoing quarter. West, who has accused Meta and Twitter of censoring him in recent weeks, said in a statement, In a world where conservative opinions are considered to be controversial, we have to make sure we have the right to freely express ourselves. Parler has amassed a little over 250,000 monthly active users on its apps, according to market intelligence platform Sensor Tower. The data was shared to TechCrunch by an industry executive. In a survey of more than 10,000 people, Pew Research reported earlier this month that only 38% of them had heard of Parler. Parliament Technologies Chief Executive George Farmer said in a statement, This deal will change the world and change the way the world thinks about free speech. Yi is making a groundbreaking move into the free speech media space and will never have to fear being removed from social media again. Once again, Yi proves that he is one step ahead of the legacy media narrative. Parliament will be honored to help him achieve his goals. With Musk taking over Twitter and Yi taking over Parler, it appears the pendulum is swinging, and I'm not sure the people who have been saying words are violence and silence is violence are going to be able to handle the future, and I'm here to watch it. Pakistan summoned the U.S. ambassador for an explanation after President Joe Biden described the South Asian country as, quote, one of the most dangerous nations in the world and questioned its nuclear weapons safety protocols. Biden made the apparently off-the-cuff remark late on Thursday while talking about U.S. foreign policy during a private Democratic Party fundraiser in California, but the White House later published a transcript of his comments, which provoked outrage in Pakistan. Washington's relations with Pakistan have soured since last year, when the United States ended a two-decade war in Afghanistan. Pakistan provided crucial logistical access, but U.S. officials believe Islamabad's powerful military and intelligence apparatus also aided the Taliban, which swept back to power as foreign troops pulled out. Biden was speaking about his frequent interactions with the Chinese leader Xi Jinping when he said, Did anybody think we'd be in a situation where China is trying to figure out its role relative to Russia and relative to India and relative to Pakistan? This is a guy who understands what he wants, but has an enormous, enormous array of problems. How do we handle that? How do we handle that relative to what's going on in Russia? And what I think is maybe one of the most dangerous nations in the world, Pakistan. Nuclear weapons without any cohesion? Seriously. Could he maybe just not piss off every country with nuclear weapons? Uh, The... uh, Um, Shabazz Sharif uh, said, I'm surprised by the remarks of President Biden. I believe this is exactly the sort of misunderstanding that is created when there is a lack of engagement. Um, Shabazz Sharif is uh, Pakistan's prime minister. And he said, he, I guess he tweeted this out and said that Pakistan is a responsible nuclear state. We are proud that our nuclear assets have the best safeguards. We take these safety measures with the utmost seriousness. Let no one have any doubts. The foreign minister also appeared to offer Washington some room to maneuver 
diplomatically away from Biden's remarks. It was not an official function. It was not an address to the nation or an address to the parliament, he said. I wonder what the number of like walkbacks in this administration has been with all of the stuff that Joe Biden has publicly said. I like we literally have world leaders providing an opportunity for this administration to like walk back a president's comments before they react to them. Oh, it's just Joe Biden. He's not serious. This wasn't a he doesn't know what he's talking about. It's crazy. In Slava Ukraina news, our Lord and Savior Volodymyr Zelensky has asked for a war tax on Americans and a monthly $7 billion stipend from the United States if the translations are correct. I looked for a fact check and was unable to find one disputing the particular video that I saw. Um, And he's soon to release a collection of his own speeches featuring an introduction written by himself and will be published on December 6th uh, by Crown, which is a Penguin Random House division. Uh, The book will be called A Message from Ukraine, and will also include a preface by Arkady uh, Ostrovsky, the economist editor for Russia and Eastern Europe. Uh, Zelensky said, supporting Ukraine is not a trend, a meme, or a viral challenge. It is not a force to rapidly spread across the planet and then just rapidly disappear. If you want to understand who we are, where we are from, and what we want, and where we're going, you need to learn about who we are. This book will help you do just that. The proceeds will go to United24, the initiative Zelensky launched to coordinate charitable donations to Ukraine. Zelensky added that he has chosen 16 speeches that he hopes will help readers understand Ukrainians, our aspirations, our principles, and our values. The former actor and comedian was elected in 2019, or installed, however you want to look at that. He found himself suddenly transformed into a wartime leader after Russia's invasion in February with his impassioned and defiant stance bringing comparisons to Winston Churchill, among others, like God. The idolization for this man is something, and his level of narcissism, man, it's just, I don't know. That is your Tuesday edition of everything yesterday this morning. I hope you guys have a great day. I went really long today, and I apologize for that, but I kind of missed you guys. I, it was like a whole three days without you. So you guys take care and have a great Tuesday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.